Thank you so much for joining us for this message. Whether you're watching for the first time or you're simply catching up on a message that you missed, we're so glad that you are connecting to God's Word today. Our hope is that as you listen to the message, you'll experience a real encounter with God. Please consider giving financially to support God's work through our ministry. You will find several options to do that by clicking on the word Give in the menu on our website at KentwoodCommunityChurch.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, I'm going to ask, if you will, to stand out of respect for God's word. And if you're newer, we actually read scripture out loud. Pastor Michael's going to help me. We're in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read the first 13 verses. I'll read one verse, and then you'll repeat with Pastor Michael. Hear the word of the Lord, Ephesians 4, starting at verse 1. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Verse 2. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. That's a good one, isn't it? Amen. Verse 3. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit. Binding yourself together with peace, verse 4. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, verse 6. One God and one Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ, verse 8. That is why the scriptures say... When he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to the lowly world. Verse 10. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts Christ gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers, verse 12. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God, God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Let's pray. And I'm asking today, Lord, that the words of my mouth, meditations of our hearts, will be pleasing in your sight. And as the prophet Samuel prayed long ago, we pray now. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And all God's people said, Amen. thanks, Pastor Michael. You can have a seat. Why do church? That's the question we've been answering. Why do church? Last week we looked at it's because of community. And because of past church hurt and people offending you, lots of folks realize that they are a have actual strongholds in their lives that keeps the church at a distance or just passively attending on Sunday and never being engaged because of those hurts. We asked God to deliver us from those strongholds last week and we believe that the church is necessary because the church is you and the church is me. And the last thing that the scriptures talk about, the last thing that will be standing is the church. Incredibly important to understand. Today we're gonna continue on with that same theme. Why do church? And I will say to you, the reason why we do church is to know him. We know the mission of KCC. Can you help me, church? It's to what? And to what? If you didn't hear that online, it is to know him and to make him known. Why do I do church? To know him. The obvious question is this. 
Can I know Jesus without the church? The answer is yes. But the second question is, can I know Jesus better with the church? And the answer is yes. And here we are in a moment which Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. He quoted from the Old Testament. These people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I don't know a statement that Jesus gave that is more relevant than in today's world. We have so many people that give lip verbiage to Jesus in America, but yet their lives don't match what they say. And that's one of the main reasons why people say, I don't want to do church because the church is full of a bunch of hypocrites. Jesus told us clearly on the Sermon on the Mount that we are to build our house and our church on the rock, but we have built it on the sand. And he says the reason why we have, after he finished this amazing sermon, was what? Because you don't listen to these words of mine. So James says, and even if you do listen, you don't do what it says. And then you go away and you forget what it says, just like somebody going into a mirror and looking at themselves and forgetting what they look like. But James goes on and says, but blessed is the one who looks intently into the law and does exactly what it says. You see, people are leaving the church at uh, supersonic speed. The two number one, uh, two, the two main reasons why people are leaving the church, I bet you can guess, it's not hypocrisy. Uh, are switching churches or jumping all over the place. It's what? I don't like the, the preacher and I don't like the music. You ever heard that? Uh, but we Christianize it. I'm just not connecting. You ever heard that one? My point is simply this. What's happening in the church actually verifies what I've been saying, that the church is caught up into consumerism. Because that's not the question you should be asking. The question is, what is the mission of the church? What is the purpose of the church? And are they on target with what the church is called to do in the Great Commission? And are they biblical? And those are the questions that we should be asking. But the reality is, the vast majority of people only experience the church for one hour. And if you're only experiencing the church for one hour, then it's all about whether you connect with the preacher or whether or not you like the music. And if that doesn't kind of connect with you, then you'll move on to the next product. My friends, our, 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 the church is way bigger than an hour on Sunday morning. Does, any, does this relate to anybody? Sunday morning is important. Sunday morning is the open door. Sunday morning is the celebration. Sunday morning is the public gathering. But it's only the entry rate of what the church can and should be. Can I get an amen? You see, we live in a day and age where there are three prominent groups now as it relates to the church. We call them the nuns, the duns, and the ums. Let me clarify, the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, the nuns, the fastest growing group in America. 25% of Americans now tag with the nuns, and that is the group of people who have no religious affiliation whatsoever, not connected to anything. 25% of Americans now fall into that category. Then you have the duns. That's the people that we talked about last week. They love Jesus or they like Jesus, but they don't like, they hate the church, so they're done with the church. And those people can't even hear my voice because they don't want to watch online. They don't want to be in person. It's just them and Jesus. But then we have a new group in the last three years. Those are the ums. And the ums are the people that are still trying to decide, am I in or am I out? 
Am I going to be engaged with the church or am I not? Oh my goodness, what a day we live in. I believe that we address these groups and these words that Jesus give us by making this our prayer. As I was preparing for today's message, I'm like, Lord, these are just words. Your Holy Spirit's got to do something incredible in the hearts of people because all I'm going to do is deliver words and they won't be anything. You're going to have to be the one that will touch supernaturally. You're the one that's going to have to do the miracle. You're the one that's going to have to meet them right where they are. Because I know that I know that it's not just my words or just my style. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And if you want to know anything about our church, that is the hallmark of who we are. Number one, we believe in Scripture. Number two, we believe in the work of the Holy Spirit. Number three, we believe that lives can be transformed. And number four, everybody is welcome at this church regardless of where they come from. That's who we are. So I'm calling us in 2022 to be a mafitis. Somebody say mafitis. You didn't do very well. Let's try that again. It's a Greek word. Say mafitis. That is the Greek word for disciple. And it means to be a perpetual learner. I'm calling us out today. If we are going to be a church, to do church, to know him, we got to first decide we're going to be a mafitis, somebody who wants to continually learn and want more of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want more of him this moment. I want to see him and experience him in ways I have never experienced him before. I want to be a Mathetes. And God has been very gracious to us, has he not? We've watched the move of the Holy Spirit week after week over the last three or four months that has been mind-boggling. And what I would say to you is that if this is going to be sustainable, we've got to put some meat and potatoes to it. There's nothing wrong with the, the amazing movement of God at a corporate worship experience. I'm all about those things, the signs and wonders and miracles. But we need meat and potatoes that's going to make it sustainable day in and day out, seven days a week. Is anybody with me this morning? Yes? So here's what we're committed to do. If we truly are going to be a Mathetes and we are truly going to do church that's going to know him together, we are going to look at four disciplines spiritual disciplines that is my desire that I've said to our staff and to our elders board is the goal for the next year we are going to permeate our body the body of Christ at KCC with these four disciplines over the entire year that would be an oasis that would be in next gen our children our young adults our men's ministry our women's ministry our community groups that in the next year these four disciplines which you've all heard and all know and have seen them preached over and over again but we're gonna have to make them a reality in all of our lives every single day if in fact we're going to know him more as a church. So we are committed to making that happen. Today what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce us to them and then we're going to continue to march forward. You're going to see those words on the stage week in and week out as a reminder. This year we are going to be a Mathetes and we're going to do church and we're going to know him together. Let's jump right in. The first discipline I would say to you is surrender. Somebody say surrender. surrender. Say it again, surrender. surrender. Again, not a new theme, not a new discipline at KCC. But I'm the master of oversimplification, so allow me to do it again. Surrender is simply this. It's waving the white flag. That's all it is. It's not conditional surrender. It's unconditional surrender. Do you know the difference? Conditional surrender does this. Hey, God, I'll surrender, but first you must Heal me. But
but first you must give me a good job. First you must help my marriage to get a little bit better. You make the list and you tell God, God, you can have my life, but you got to do this. That's conditional surrender. What I'm calling us to do as a spiritual discipline is simply this. We need to have unconditional. Lord, my life is yours. My life is yours. Now, we read in Ephesians 4, verses 2 and 3, what enables us to wave the white flag is simple. It's called humility. Paul addressed it there in 2 and 3. Now, what is humility? It is simply this, my friends, mixed definition. Humility is me seeing myself the way God sees me. And that changes everything. Do you remember the prophet Isaiah when he was in the presence of God? Kind of put things into perspective. Do you remember the prophet Daniel when he was in the presence of God? He fell as though he were dead. When I see God and and I get a glimpse of him and then I see myself for who I am, it truly makes me a humble person. And yet... I I must say this, that the people that are truly humble never know that they're humble. Self-righteousness makes me say I'm humble and you're not. God will, uh, the enemy will use humility in such a way that people can even actually take pride in their humility. Think about that if you're listening to anything I say. Is that even possible? But he says humility enables us to wave the white flag surrender in my life and then he says the result will be what gentleness and patience (laughs) i I had to stop when michael read verse three i mean like give me a break like are we not jacked up as a society like never before we're all on nine and waiting walking around and somebody just to look at us wrong say something wrong something to go sideways and boom we're past 10 and i think the answer to that is Humility waving the white flag that gives us the ability to be gentle and patient with one another. That surrender enables us to be unified as one. Now here's what I know. Too often is the temptation of churches like KCC is that we can look too often, hear me out fully, we can look too often to our ethnic differences, our cultural differences, our personality differences, our goals and our desired differences. And there's nothing wrong for us to acknowledge all the amazing diversity that comes. But if we look, hear me out, if we look at those things more than we look what's in common, we are in dangerous territory. What we have in common should be the focus of who we are. And he declares here clearly that is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Can somebody say amen? So when I wave the white flag of unconditional surrender, it's basically Luke 22, um, verse uh, 44. Not my will, your will would be done. You remember Jesus praying that in the garden? I want to I look, I want to walk you through what the Bible, basically the biblical worldview of what surrender looks like. Surrender, waving the white flag, is simply this. It's surrendering my identity because our identity is a big deal for all of us. My identity. And here's what so many people love us do. We know that when we receive Christ and we surrender, our identity is Christ. Can I get an Amen. But many of us live with our identity still as the old man or the old woman. We still struggle with those issues and those, those attitudes, etc., etc. But let me remind you from Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You are a what? New creation. The old is gone, the new has begun. Stop living in the old. You've surrendered. You are now, your identity is in Christ. Can I get an amen? 
You still don't believe me? Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I have died to the old man. I am now alive in Jesus Christ. That is what surrender looks like. Can I get an amen? It doesn't stop there. Ephesians 5.18 gives you the power. You can say to me today, I want to be this. I, want to, I truly want to be a person that has my identity in Christ. And I'm going to try really hard. Trying really hard isn't good enough. That's why Ephesians 5.18 says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That he now controls me in such a way that it gives me the ability to be what I'm supposed to be. And think the way I'm supposed to think. Can I get an Amen. And it doesn't end there. Romans 12, 1 says, the way you do it is there's a moment where you wave the flag. What does that mean? There's a moment in my life, he says in Romans 12, 1, you will be a living sacrifice. In other words, in the Greek, that literally means there'll be a moment in my life where I wave the flag, the big yes, capitals, Y-E-S. I surrender my life. But it doesn't end there. Then you have all the small yeses that continue from that point forward. That's what living sacrifice is. And you and I need to understand that makes all the difference. The theological term is sanctification. To be set apart, to be God's man and woman. That's what surrender takes us to. That we can live the life we're supposed to live. Then I can re repeat John 3.30, where John the Baptist said, less of me and more of you. Let me bring it home this way. A couple of illustrations from my own life. First, I had to surrender this thing called marriage back in the day. I really, really, really wanted to be married. But I really, really already knew what God was calling me to do. And I said to God, are you going to give me a woman that wants to, and has the same call as me? For let me explain. It wasn't just that I needed somebody who loved Jesus. I needed somebody who was called to be a missionary. But not just a missionary, but a missionary in the Islamic world. That, statistically speaking, takes that whole pool, boom, down to impossibility. I am honestly... And it wasn't until I surrendered. And I said, Lord, I'm following you to Timbuktu. And if that is by myself, so be it. And as soon as I waved the flag, in comes Melanie. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I know my wife right now is in the east side of the state with her mom and dad loving them. And I'm just saying to you, hallelujah. <laughs> you think I got some brownie points for that one? We'll find out this afternoon. God bless us. That's too much information. The second major surrender was actually preaching. When I was in my 20s, I was growing in stature and influence and preaching all over America with larger and larger and larger crowds, thinking I was that and then something else. And God said, I want you to leave. And I want you to go to an area where you will not preach. And you may go for the rest of your life. Well, God, look at all the good things that are happening. Now I'm going to go to somewhere where I won't be able to preach. I'll just be able to share life on life. And you know what I did? For the, my entire 30s, for 10 years, I no longer spoke. For my, all my 30s, I gave it up. But as a result, something happened in me. And 12 house churches were birthed to my surrender. On a lighter note, I had to surrender where I live. I see this in the Christian faith all the time. Lord, I will do anything you want me to do, but I won't leave here or I won't go there. I don't know which Jesus you follow, but I don't think we get a say in this. 
Because if I had my say, I would be in warm climate, flip-flops, t-shirt, and shorts every single day. Can I get a hallelujah? But here I stand at a beautiful place called Michigan. Summers that are amazing. Winters, well, we're just not going to talk about that. But I surrendered it. And now I have the privilege and the opportunity to be with you. And I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. My question to you is, what is your surrender? What is your surrender? Because if you're going to know him and you're going to be a Mathetes, he's going to call you to surrender and wave the white flag over and over again. Can I get an amen? We're going to be talking about surrender over the next year. The second one I introduce you to, but it's not just surrender, is obedience. Somebody say, let's obey Jesus. Jesus. Say it again. Let's obey Jesus. Verse 1, Paul says, therefore I, I, a prisoner, I, a prisoner for the Lord, beg you, beg you to lead a, a life worthy of your calling. Yes, by the way, you have been called by God. And so obedience will make us and enable us to obey whatever our calling is that God has given us. Now, we have two responses to that situation. Number one, you know what your call is and you've been fighting it for many, many years. Some of you believe that your time has passed and you've actually missed God's calling because you said no for too long. Now there's the other group over here. You don't even know what your calling is. And I say to you, that's why we need the body of Christ. If you don't have the body of Christ, you will never know your calling because you will have what I call the American Idol Syndrome. What do I mean by that? Have you ever watched the show? You have certain people, especially in the early part of the season, that think that they can sing like the angels and, they're, and they actually make fun of them, right? You have to have somebody to say to them, wait a minute, you can't sing. What I'm trying to say is that the body of Christ affirms God's calling in your life. What he's saying to you, the body of Christ, the church should be the one that will verify what God has said in your life. And then he'll make that happen. In my own life, that's the way it worked. Marion, Indiana, Lakeview Wesleyan Church, 1982. That church helped me with my calling. Not only did they believe in me, I don't know, I got excited about going to other countries and I was a a poor kid in a single household and I don't know how it happened, but I went on mission trip after mission trip after mission trip and they were always paid for. They were affirming inside this young lad that his life mattered and as a result, kind of confirming his call of what God was going to say to him. Fast forward to post-seminary, and I took my first church in Port Huron, Michigan, Hillside Wesleyan Church, a church about 500. And back in the day when I was 23 years old and I was the youth pastor, the young adult pastor, the outreach pastor, and the teaching pastor. Boy, did they get their money's worth. But in that time, what they did is they, again, affirmed my calling in my life as a young leader. And said, we believe this is your calling. This is what God has called you to do. And built me up to be who I needed to be. My friends, if you don't know what your calling is, your steps of obedience are first to be engaged with the church and be vulnerable that the church can come alongside you and then affirm what it is. And here's the crazy part about it is that that so often in my own life as I've come alongside people and said, I don't know that that is truly your gifting. Do you know what the response for most of the people was or has been? They run. Uh, we only, if you only want to hear what you want to hear, then that's, that's a mockery to allowing the body to affirm your gift mix. Does this make sense? 
You see, we need to not only know our calling, we also need to be accountable to it. KCC is committed for you to know what your calling is and to obey it. Because the kingdom benefits, the church benefits, and you benefit. I already know what you're saying. Many of you are like, wait a minute. I only want to obey him to a certain extent because if, if I completely obey him in everything, I know he's going to make me go where I don't want to go. And he's going to make me do what I do not want to do. Anybody ever thought they've been there or are there? Let me just say this. There's a step before obedience and it's called surrender. And once you surrender, now your identity, now your heart is aligned with him. And you will only want to do what he wants you to do. Therefore, if you don't go where he calls you to go, you will be miserable. And if you don't do what he wants you to do, you will continue to be in turmoil because you've already surrendered your life. Now all you have to do is obey him. That's what he's calling all of us to do. Obedience is calling us, my friends, to be bold. It's calling us to take risks. Yes, it's calling us to get out of the boat and be water walkers. You will continue to hear that over and over again in our discipleship process here at KCC. We are called to be water walkers. Obedience is critical. My life influences many lives. Are you willing to go there? It's the only way we're going to finish the Great Commission. The key point is this. Obedience is trusting Jesus with all of my life. Number one, I surrender. That's how I become a Mathedes. To know him more. And then I continue to obey him. Step by step and moment by moment. Even when I don't want to. That I have a calling from God. Doing what he's called me to do. I know that's truly what he wants me to do. Because when you look at Paul. You, some of you are saying wait a minute. Paul was a prisoner. Uh, he was writing from jail. So if I obey. I, I don't want to be like that. Let me just again say. Wherever you end up. He will give you exactly what you need in that moment. To be who you're supposed to be in that situation. Does anybody agree with that this morning? Amen? That's the God we serve. Now, the final two is simply this. With the, 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 the statement of the heart is uh, surrender and obedience. But the last two disciplines we will focus on for this year actually give the, the legs to allow them to stand. And you've heard them over and over again, but we're going to talk about them over the, last, over the next year. And that is Bible reading and prayer. Bible reading and prayer. Somebody say truth. Say it again, truth. truth. So Bible reading is truth. And he has given us, he says in verse 11, some of us to be pastors and apostles and teachers and shepherds and all of that. But if you don't have truth, what happens is this. You have leaders that will lead you to the left and leaders that lead you to the right. It gets all squirrely and sideways if you don't have the metrics of truth. What we have done too often when we start talking about the gifts of the Spirit and God's um, call on all of our lives, which we all have a gift God has granted us with, is that we focus on the gifts more than we do the fruit of the Spirit, which is Galatians chapter 5. Now here's the downside to that, is that if we focus on the gifts solely without the development of the character of Jesus in us, which is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, etc., etc., right? That if those things are not developed inside of us, and then we take the platform of the gift in which God has given us, you will immediately, depending on how talented and skilled you are, you will have influence, you will have power. And if your character is not where it needs to be, this will now corrupt you. You mean, pastor, using my spiritual gift can corrupt me? If you don't have the fruit of the Spirit, you bet. We see it happening in the church all the time. And he's saying to us, with these leaders, they've got to lead with truth. 
I've already said last week, I think 2 Timothy 4, 3 says, there is a day that is coming, I've already said the day has arrived, where we will not put up with sound doctrine. Let me just say this, if you aren't Bible reading and you don't know the truth, how are you going to know what doctrine is in the first place? And then there's going to be somebody that's way better than me, that has the ability to communicate and wordsmith and woo and wow you and emotionally move you, but they will twist and turn truth. And if you don't know it, you can be led astray and will be. The truth is what guides us step by step and moment by moment. I am so tired of personality-driven movements and churches. I want it to be all about him and his truth and a group of people that are committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is this anybody else? So he says to us, once we have truth, once we have these leaders, their goal in verse 12 is to not do the ministry, but to train you all to do the ministry. And you can't do the ministry if you don't know truth, because truth sets you free, right? And enables you to go and navigate through darkness, because Ephesians 6 says we are in a spiritual battle, and as soon as you step up and say, I want to get out of the boat, I want to be a water walker, I want my life to count, the first thing that's going to happen is called warfare. He's going to try to stop you before you get started. He's going to throw fiery arrows at you, give you lies, tell you this and that about yourself to stop you from starting before you can even start. And the only way you will ever defend that is not just with the power of the Holy Spirit, but with truth, which is enabling us to stand and have that ability to be God's man and God's woman. Can I get an amen? amen. The Bible exhorts us. I remind you again of an Old Testament character, Joshua. Joshua was following the greatest leader of all time, according to Scripture, Moses. And as he was getting ready to lead the, the children through to the promised land, he says in Joshua 1, 7 and 8, he said this, And I will meditate on your book of the law, what? Day and night, to be careful to do everything written in it. And then I will be prosperous and successful. When will I be prosperous and successful? When I hoop and holler? When I get enough faith? When I get to know? When I know truth and truth will set me free and will guide me and be my guidepost. And then I will be prosperous and successful. I think it's Exodus chapter 15. Moses, do you remember the story? He's praying for Joshua. His hands are raised high as Joshua was down in the valley um, doing the battle. And when Moses got tired, his arms came down. And every time he stopped praying, what happened? Joshua lost the battle, right? He lost the battle. And you need to understand that Scripture, 2 um, Timothy 3, 16 and 70 says, the word of God is God-breathed. Hebrews 4, 12 says, it is living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. Penetrating soul from spirit, bone from marrow. It is the truth that will set us free. Here's what I want you to understand. We, can st we have to stop, friends, as we talk about reading the Bible. We have to stop only doing the Word of God secondhand. When I mean secondhand, there's nothing wrong with secondhand. What we're doing right now is secondhand. I'm giving you the Word of God and you're receiving it. We do that with Bible studies in our community group. There's nothing wrong with secondhand. But if we're truly going to be people of difference, we've got to get to the point where we get the word of God firsthand from me to him. Does this make sense? In Amos chapter 8, verse 11, the prophet Amos says, a time is coming in the land. A famine is in the, coming in the land. And that famine is not of food and water, but a famine of hearing the word of God. It's a warning. It's upon us. A time is coming there will be a famine from knowing truth. So the reality is, we then as a church 
need to be committed to help you to understand what it means to feed yourself. So it's not just to uh, motivate you and encourage you, but to set you up. We've been giving you a Bible reading plan for the last two years that you can get on the app and then email or text people what you think. We need to go a step further. After this service, these journals will be out in the atrium. And this is for only people that really are committed to be a Mathetes. Now what we're going to do is my vision is this. This journal, a Bible journey, journal, is for all of us. It is my desire that you could use this in your own time reading the Bible. But more importantly, in community, that you could take your journal with somebody else in the church, maybe one-on-one -on -one, or in groups of two or three, and we would have a revolution. I'm about revolutions. A revolution in West Michigan in which we would have people all over, Caledonia, Byron Center, Grand Rapids, Wyoming, Kentwood, in which we find people all over the place meeting organically, studying God's word together in Starbucks and restaurants and Big B's and in backyards and parks and in KCC and in homes. And we're doing this together. You see, Christians get together a lot, but they very rarely talk about Jesus. It's mind boggling to me. Sure, we'll talk about the weather and politics and what's wrong in the church, but let's talk about Jesus and his truth. Can I get an amen? So, simply put, you'll see on the screen behind me, what does this journal mean? It's an easy acronym called SOAP. And I'll just illustrate what you do. Each of these has one page. And you come together as an example. And let's say, I'm meeting with Jimmy. And we get together and we decide, we are going to read Acts chapter 1. So we get together and we're in Starbucks. And we read Acts 1 out loud together. And then I say, okay, we read it out loud. There's Acts 1. Now what we're going to do, you pull your journal out, I'll pull my journal out. Now we're going to do the soap and we're going to write for the next 15 minutes. The S is scripture. In other words, you write S in your journal. And you write, as you look at that chapter, you write out the verse that means something to you. That sticks out to you. Verse 8. And you will be my witness when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will receive power to be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and other ends of the earth. So I write that in the scripture. Then I jump down below that and I write the O. That's my observation. And basically I'm answering the question to Jimmy. Why is that sticking out? Well, as I look at it, I need to be a witness. And I need his power to be his witness. You could write two sentences. You could write a paragraph. You could write a page. This depends on you. Then you go down from the A, O to the A. Application. Oh, Lord, I, I need to be a better witness to my family, to my workmates, and write their names, and this is what I'm going to do. And then the P is the prayer. Lord, help me to actually follow through with what I just said I was going to do and be your witness and give me that power. We read Acts 1 together. We write soap in silence. And then we read our soap together, and we pray together. You don't have to plan for that. You don't have to plan for a Bible study. You're already doing the scriptures. And now you may say, wait a minute, what if we don't understand something? Oh, you can make that as a little uh, uh, addition and just say, write the question out and find the answer later. Don't get hung up with a question that you may have in the Bible. Does this make sense? But it will cause people to be desperate enough. We are committed as elders and staff to giving you tools now the question is whether or not you're going to take those tools and truly be desperate enough for God to know him, to be a Mathetes, to know scripture and start to get engaged with it. Some of you I can already say, well, I have no friends. If I have nobody to do it with. If you are in that situation, call us. Trust me, we will find somebody. Now I've just 
disputed all the problems, yeah, you need to do it. Pastor, I don't have a Bible. Well, we can take care of that. So these will come first come first serve for free. All you got to do is go out and you have to sign up for it so that we can know who's got these. And then we're going to continue to provide these throughout the year because they're obviously going to be enough for everybody. And over in Global Grounds, when we open up over there in 143, we will have journals for people. But I have this vision that whether it's in our youth ministry and our children's and our seniors, but people are in God's word just doing something as simple as this. It could be as short as 20 minutes or it could be an hour. But wouldn't it be cool that we have a revolution in West Michigan where people are meeting all over the place organically once a week or every other week over tea and actually in God's word. Come on, KCC, what do you think? Can we do it? Again, I want to hear tomorrow morning that the journals were so uh, quickly gone that they, they had to take a list of people because you guys are hungry to be a Mathetes. Does that make sense? Bible reading makes all the difference in the world. The key point is this. We grow in truth, we grow in community, and we grow in Jesus. The key point is we grow better together and in the word. If you're going to be a Mathetes, you have to wave the white flag. You also have to obey him. You've got to get into the scriptures. But let me give you the last one, which I'll just briefly touch because we will talk about this over and over again. We're actually going into a series this summer on it is prayer. Somebody say, let's pray. He says in verse 13, you will be mature in the Lord. He says, measuring up to the full standards of God. How does that occur? When I pray, I, I line up with God. And all of a sudden, my heart lines up with his heart. We need to be people that are desperate enough for Jesus. Last week, we met in here on a Friday night and a Saturday morning. We had basically five hours of teaching on prayer. How many came? Probably not enough. The question is, are you, some people couldn't because of schedules, but others simply decided, I'm not going to do it. We can't force you. All I can do is set the table. You have to decide whether you're coming to the table or not. You have to decide whether you're committed to these things that we know are the truth. Jesus said through prayer, you can have faith and say to this mountain, be moved. We see in the early church, Acts chapter 12, they prayed such a prayer. And Peter was miraculously released from prison. Praying together, my friends, changes our marriages. Praying together changes our friendships. Changes our community groups. And yes, it will change our church. We are committed to being a church. Once, one Friday every month to come in here and pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven I would have a dream that the prayer chapel is starting to get more full that that prayer chapel that's right over here if you're newer that's always open from nine to five that you it would be so full that people are like I need to come and pray yes you can pray anywhere I get that but there's something that's powerful going into a place committed and set apart for prayer does this make sense to anybody I want to be a church that's committed this way I would say to you that Satan shudders when the church prays. Satan shudders when the church prays. He has one goal, and that is for you and I to get so busy with everything else but praying. And you may say, well, pastor, I don't know how to pray. Guess what? You're in good company. The disciples said, Lord, we don't know how to pray. Teach us to pray. And then you know, in my own life, you know how I learned to pray? By praying with other people. Grace Anderson, I've told you about 76 years old when I was a teenager. I went into her house every, um, every uh, Saturday night, one leg shorter than the other. I feel it. I feel it in my bones. Jesus is coming back. And when she stormed heaven's gates, man, as a young believer, I said, man, I want some of that. 
When I was in university and when I was in seminary, I had prayer groups. When I had served overseas, I had prayer groups. When I served in church, we prayed together. I learned to pray by praying together with the brethren. Praying with the body of Christ makes all the difference in the world. And my friends, when we pray, we don't pray fancy, generic, bless them, Lord. We get specific what you're going to see happening week in and week out. The vision is simply this. I, I may not have a sermon that has a physical response. But what we will do is each at the end of every service that your week may have given you something that's overwhelming. We will provide an opportunity for you to be prayed over. Maybe it's a health scare. Maybe it's a relational issue. Maybe something, And we are going to pray for you. It may have nothing to do with the actual um, sermon. But we are going to be a church that's relevant and praying for people. And Matthew chapter 16 verse 19 and Matthew chapter 18 verse 18 declares that whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever we loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Literally bound means it is forbidden. It is unlawful. Well, I'll just start praying that in Jesus' name. I bind the spirit of anger. You are unlawful. You are not permitted. I put you at the foot of the cross and I loose the spirit of peace in your life and patience. Does this make sense to anybody? Using Jesus' own words, believe in God for that, that we are a people that are going to be relevant to the issues because the result of praying is that faith is built up, perspective is changed, sin is revealed, and vision and purpose and calling is granted. The key point is prayer moves us into maturity of Jesus. These are the four disciplines we're gonna talk about, the meat and potatoes through the next year. Because God's going to continue to give us signs and wonders and miracles. He's going to continue to bring the nations to us. We're going to continue on this journey to know him and to make him known. But what we can do together is much better than we can do by ourselves. And we do that by saying, today I am a Mathedes. I'm a perpetual learner. I want to be his disciple. And I will do that by waving the flag. My life is yours. I will obey you every step of the way. I want to get into your word. I'm going straight out in the atrium, getting my journal, and I'm going to figure out who I'm going to do this with. And I want to be a person of prayer, and I want to find people to pray with, which you can. You can do the prayer with the people you do your journal, your soap with. Amen? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, I pray that in this moment, if I've said something that's not of you, that those words would go away. But if I have said something that's of you, that you would allow us to say yes and the courage to get out of the boat and to truly be a water walker. I pray that today you would grant us exactly what we need today. I'm asking that your, your movement in this place called KCC would continue to grow. We continue to be what you want us to be. So I pray right now that you would have your way in our midst and do what you need to do. We surrender to you, Holy Spirit. We say yes to your promptings. We say to you, we commit to knowing your word. And we commit to praying with one another. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Is there anybody with a raised hand that the Holy Spirit has spoken to this morning about truly wanting to be a Mathedes, to know him in the church? Would you raise your hand so I can see you're committed to doing that? All throughout. Keep them up. I'm committed to doing this, Pastor. Keep them up before God. Don't be shy. All throughout. Lord Jesus, you see these hands. You see the hands that are scared that aren't raising their hands for whatever reason. But you see these hands today. And we acknowledge that if we're going to do church, we do it to know you. 
we ask that you would give us patience and gentleness towards one another and to grow towards one another. Would you hear our cry? For we truly want to know you and make you known. We surrender. We trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. We want to feed ourselves with your word. And we truly want to learn how to pray to be your men and women filled with your Holy Spirit. See these hands and see these hearts right now and finish the deal in Jesus' name. Amen. You can put your hands down. I'm gonna ask if you will, go ahead and stand with me. As I already said, I'm gonna ask the pastors to come up here and stand and uh, elders and as Brant plays. This is gonna be a newer for us but it may have nothing to do with, go ahead, pastors, come on right now. This may have nothing to do with anything that I have said, but you just need prayer today. And as a result of prayer, from the balcony to the galleries to the main floor, if you need prayer today, we are wanting to come and pray with you. So as Brant plays, I'll give you a moment, come on. Anybody need prayer today? It may have nothing to do with what I just said, but I just need prayer today. Would you pray with me? Come on, church, let's be the church. Bless them. And there, there's more that people can come around. These people, if you feel so led, you can come and join in prayer for them. And from your seat, you can pray for those that are have come forward. Go ahead and pray as the Spirit leads you. We want to be a church of healing and of safety and truly engage your, your needs today. Anybody else that needs to come before we close? church. Go ahead and start praying for them. If you feel comfortable, you can extend your hands towards whoever you're praying for from your seat. We're being the church in Jesus' name. Come on, church. Don't be passive. This is why we do church. We do church to come alongside each and every life. You can even pray for those around you that don't have the courage to get out of their seat and they're hurting just as desperately as those that are standing up here. You can pray. May the Spirit give you guidance. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name, hear our cry. Hear the cry of our people. Oh God, hear us. We commit them to you right now. In Jesus' name, we bind the spirits that bring strongholds. We loose the fruit of the Spirit in their lives today. In Jesus' name, grant them what they need. Jesus' name. Hear our cry, O oh Father. Hear our cry. And as they continue to pray, look up this way, church. Next week, we're going to have a special service for our mothers. And then we're going to finish this series out, why we do church for the mission. 
And I just want you to, I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you ready to be the church? Are you ready to be the church, really? All in. Count me in, Pastor. I'm all in. I want to be, the, I am the church, but I really want to act as though the church. Is there anybody out there with a raised hand say, I'm all in? Is there anybody? I'm all in. I know the church has got issues. I've seen it. I've been a part of it, but I'm all in. Anybody? I'm all in. You know, the enemy doesn't like to see these hands raised. He wants us divided. A house divided among itself will not stand, but we will be the church. Look around. Look around to those that are raising their hands and realize it puts a smile on God that we could be the church of Jesus Christ today. And Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, he said, and I will build my church, not McVeach, not any pastor. Jesus said, and I will build my church. And here's the good news, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Church, we win. We win this thing. In Jesus' name, we win this thing. Amen? Well, I want to ask Brent and the team to lead us. He will build our church. Let's make this declaration before we close tonight. Let's pray that make this our declaration.
church say we are the church one more time we are the church and with that being said the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you and the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace until we meet again amen